that last line one more time. Thank you. Let's try that again, shall we? <laughs> I switched songs on her.
you, Lord. We're so grateful. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I am free. Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I am free. Amen. Just fill it with harmony. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I am free. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I always love this song. There was Jesus through all the crazy parts of my life, ins and outs, good and bad decisions. Jesus was always there and is, is always there. Every time I tried to make it on my own Every time I tried to stand but start to fall And all those lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now But there was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching
Oh, Lord, we thank you so much that through the craziness of our lives, through the things that we, decisions we make and good and bad, that you are there. You've said you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so even in those times when we can't see you, we know that you are there. Not because we are so good, but because you are so good. Lord, I ask you now to be with Dr. Cox as he brings your message. Open our hearts and ears that we can hear you, Lord. That we can experience you this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Hope you've had a great Thanksgiving. If you didn't have a great Thanksgiving, all the more reason to be in church today. It can get better. I am sharing a series of sermons in November and December on prophecies of the Messiah found in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in Jesus. Over the course of these seven weeks, we're going to look hopefully at 40 of these prophecies predictions in the Old Testament. There's a a card like this at the Welcome Center that has all 40 of them. If you're just joining us in this series or you'd just like to have this to put in your Bible to share with others, there's a card available at the Welcome Center that has all 40 of these prophecies. And we're looking at these predictions of the Messiah. That's the name of the promised king or savior or deliverer in the Old Testament, one of his titles And we're seeking to see how Jesus has fulfilled these prophecies. One of the reasons I'm sharing this series of sermons is to help you to believe. And also to help you defend your faith and explain to others if somebody asks you why do you believe the Bible is true, that you'll have some reason to share with them. We like to celebrate conversions A conversion means when you decide to become a Christian. But in recent years, there have been several high-profile deconversions where people have said, I no longer believe. I'm no longer a Christian. For example, in 2019, Joshua Harris said, "Uh, I am not a Christian anymore. Joshua Harris, as a young man, when he was 23 years old, wrote a book that sold 1.2 million copies, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. It was the idea of a new way of Christian courtship, sort of different from the traditional way of dating. Very influential in the homeschool community and among other conservative Christians. At age 30, Joshua Harris became a pastor of Covenant Life Church in Maryland. But then, in 2019, he and his wife separated, and he announced... I'm not a Christian anymore. That same year, another Christian leader decommitted from the faith. Marty Sampson was a worship leader, a founding member of the band Hillsong United. Hillsong Church, very influential in some of the worship music that many churches sing. Marty Sampson, uh, a worship leader. Marty Sampson was a co-writer of one of the best worship songs that I think that we sing. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forever. Let me read you one of the verses about uh, the resurrection that he wrote. Well, he and others wrote. Um, 
Then on the third, at break of day, you remember singing this? We sing it, and it's a great song. The Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forever. For endless days we will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. Just a great theologically sound worship song that celebrates death and resurrection of Jesus. But Marty Sampson said on Instagram two years ago, I'm struggling with contradictions in the Bible. Uh, and he finally wrote, I no longer identify as a Christian. Well, so one of the reasons I'm doing this series of sermons is to give you evidence to believe. If you're not a believer that you would believe, or if you're like these guys and struggling with some things that life happens, you're a believer and then life happens and you re-examine your faith, or you begin to, to question because some of the doubts and contradictions that you see in the Bible and you think, I don't know if I believe this anymore. You see, being a Christian is not having all your questions answered. It's not having no questions about the Bible, but what you do when you become a Christian, you weigh the evidence, and is there more evidence that there is a God or not? Is there better evidence that the Bible is true or that the Bible is false? Is there better evidence that Jesus is the Messiah or that he is not? And when you come, even though you may have questions and doubts, and when you come to say, I don't understand everything, but this is, makes sense and this is more valid, it's more logical, and I put my faith and stake my life there. That's what it means to be a Christian. And so one of the things that I think will help us to have some evidence for our faith and to be able to defend our faith to others is the amazing predictions hundreds or even thousands of years ago before the coming of Jesus that are fulfilled in his coming. Now, there's no magic bullet. You know, you get these, oh, then everybody believes. Uh, it, it, it's, it's always going to be a, a step of faith. But this is solid evidence to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So we've looked so far at his family tree. We've seen that the Messiah will be a Jew descended from Abraham. He'll be of the tribe of Judah. He'll be a prophet like Moses. We have seen something of his, his offices. He'll be a king who is descended from King David. We saw last week at his birth, he'll be born of a virgin. He'll be born in Bethlehem, he'll come out of Egypt, and his light will shine from Galilee. Now today, we want to look at some of the prophecies of the life and ministry of the Messiah. What will the Messiah do? I want to share with you five Old Testament predictions, direct prophecies about who this coming Savior, what his ministry would be like. You ready? Number one, the Messiah will be preceded by a messenger like the prophet Elijah who prepare the way for his coming. So the Old Testament predicted that the, before the Messiah comes, there'll be a forerunner or a messenger who'll precede him and he will be in character like the prophet uh, Elijah. So let's look at two verses in the Old Testament book of Malachi that make this prediction. First of all, Malachi 3.1, God says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you're seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So there's a prophecy that a messenger's going to come before the Lord comes to us. Then in chapter five, 4 of Malachi, verse 5, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. 
these two prophecies are fulfilled in the coming of John the Baptist. Before God sent Jesus the Messiah, he sent a forerunner, a preacher of repentance, to prepare the way named John the Baptist, and he was like Elijah. It says in the Old Testament, you can read the story of Elijah, and he wore a garment of hair, sort of rough outdoorsy desert clothes and he had a leather belt buckled around his waist and he lived in the desert and then when it says of John the Baptist in the New Testament he wore a garment of camel hair he had a leather belt around his waist and he preached in the desert he is like the prophet Elijah let me read to you one passage that shows this fulfillment in Matthew chapter 11 beginning at verse 7 as John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, had come to Jesus, as they were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness of the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, and then he quotes Malachi 3.1 that we read, I will send my messenger ahead of you who prepare your way before you. And then down in verse 13, Jesus said, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Jesus said, don't you see that John the Baptist has fulfilled what Malachi had said? He said there'd be a forerunner. He's been preaching repentance and he's pointing to me. He is that one like Elijah preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. Let's look at a second prophecy about what the ministry of the Messiah would be like. The Old Testament tells us the Messiah will not come as a warrior, but as one who is gentle and humble. This was contrary to their expectations of the day. But if they had gotten the clues that were there all along, I've been using for a background a mosaic from St. Patrick's Cathedral in uh, New York City. It is a mosaic with little bitty stones put together. And those individual stones, you can't see anything in them. But when you put them all together, you see a picture of the face of Jesus there. The same way with these. You put these together and they show you a picture of Jesus. And the picture they were painting here was of one who would be gentle and lowly. Let me read it to you in Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. So Isaiah 42 is the first of, that we've encountered in these prophecies of what's called the servant songs. So another title for the Messiah, or anointed one, is the servant. And these two are identified in Scripture. So there are four of these poems or songs in Isaiah that prophesy a servant who's going to come. Let me read you what God says about his coming servant here. There is, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight, I'll put my spirit on him and he'll bring justice to the nations. So when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the forerunner, what happened? The Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove, I'll put my spirit on him, and a voice came from heaven quoting these words, sounds a little different because it's the Greek translation of the Old Testament, this is my son whom I love, or my chosen one in whom I delight. He quotes these words from heaven. God says from heaven, this is the servant I'm sending that I'll put my spirit on. Now note the next verse, verse 2. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. 
You get that? We got a lot of people shouting in the streets right now, don't we? Whenever there's a, a verdict at one of these trials, you get people shouting in the streets on both ends of the political spectrum, right? We got a lot of people shouting in the streets, raising their voices. The prophecy said Jesus, the Messiah, will not be like that. He's not going to be one of these angry, raucous leaders. He will be gentle. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Do you get those images? We would probably say today, he wouldn't hurt a flea. Have you heard that? That's sort of like what this is. A bruised reed he would not break. In faithfulness he'll bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged, but he establishes justice on earth. In his teachings the islands will put their hope. So, the prophecy was that he would be gentle and lowly, not come as a warrior king to conquer. Let me read to you the fulfillment in Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 14. Matthew 12, 14, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So they're trying to kill him. Now, how's he going to react? Well, if I'd have been him, I'll tell you how I'd have reacted. Fireballs from fingertips. That's how I'd have reacted, right? I mean, wouldn't you? You know, I came here to, to be your Messiah, and you're going to try to kill me? You know? Uh, or at least gather this army as a big crowd. We're going to go get those Pharisees. Everybody, let's go. But look at the next verse, how he does react. Verse 15. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. And he warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant in whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I'll put my spirit in him. He'll proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out, and no one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory in his name, the nations will put their hope. Do you see? Jesus, contrary to, com to what the people wanted, fulfilled the Old Testament prophecy. He's one who comes to you gentle and offers hope. You're tired of conflict. You're tired of writing. You, you come to Jesus. He is the one who comes to you gentle and lowly and says, I can give you peace and hope. Let's look at a third prediction of the Messiah in the Old Testament. The Messiah's ministry will extend beyond Israel to the Gentiles. Again, this is not the popular idea. They didn't get all the clues in the Old Testament. They missed them. They wanted a nationalistic king who would throw off the yoke of Roman oppression and bring Jewish independence and sovereignty. And Jesus did not come that way. But the prophecies had not said that. It said that he would um, be gentle and holy, and he would, his ministry would extend beyond Israel to the Gentiles. Isaiah 49, 6. This is another of these servant songs. In Isaiah chapters, verse 49, verse 6, God says, he says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I've lost. I will also make you a light to the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Gentiles means non-Jew. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Uh, they wanted only a Jewish Messiah, but it had said his salvation will extend to the end of the earth. And so when Jesus is born, 
And Mary and Joseph took the little baby Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to dedicate him to worship. And there was an old man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was filled with the Spirit. And God's Spirit had told him, you will not die until you see the Lord's Messiah. And Simeon was moved by the Spirit that day to go into the temple courts. And when he saw Joseph and Mary with a little baby, he said, could I, could I hold your baby? And they let him hold Jesus, and he held him in his arms. And let me read to you Luke chapter 2, verse 30, part of what he said. He said, first of all, in the verse before, okay, God, I can die now. It's all right for me to die. You've kept all your promises. I've seen the Messiah. And then he said, verse 30, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon knew, and sure enough, when Jesus grew up, people were amazed. He visited with a Samaritan woman. Jews hated Samaritans. And he went was going with this Roman centurion and healed a Roman centurion's son. And Jesus amazed people that he loved Gentiles, non-Jews. And before he ascended into heaven, he said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He is this worldwide Savior. He's not a provincial leader. Yes, he's a Jew. But he's not a provincial savior. He's not one among many. He is the savior of the world. He is the restorer of the covenant of Israel and a light to the Gentiles. The fourth prediction that we look at about his ministry, the Messiah will preach good news. He'll preach good news. Still in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me, there's our word for Messiah, remember, uh, the Lord has Messiahed me, he is the Messiah, the anointed one, to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. So if you're in bondage to anything, or if you're brokenhearted, or if you're poor, or poor in spirit, as the first of the Beatitudes says, there's somebody preaching good news to you. There's hope for you. Jesus has come for you. That's what he says. And so it says to, in the verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, all debts were released. Woo! No more debt. Your debt's gone. All land went back to its original owners. All slaves were freed. It was the year of the Lord's favor. The year of Jubilee came once every 50 years. Jesus said, this is the year of Jubilee for everybody. It's amnesty day at the library. You can return your overdose book with no penalty. You know, it is, it is, uh, it is the day when all debts are, are free. We live in the year of the Lord's favor. The year of Jubilee. Jesus came to announce it. How do I know that? Let me read to you what Jesus, well, we'll read two passages. First of all, Mark 1, 14 through 15, preaching good news. Mark 1, 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Don't let anybody tell you the message of Christianity is one of judgment and condemnation. That's not true. The popular idea is, oh, Christians, they're against everything. They're just uh, judgmental and condemning. You're already judged. You're already condemned. You're in a 
bad shape. We got good news. It's the year of the Lord's freedom. Anything can be forgiven. Jesus came preaching that. So let me read to you Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 21. This is when he went to his hometown of Nazareth. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as it was his custom. He stood up to read. So what they did, they stood to read the Bible and then they sat down to teach. A little different from us. So he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So he gets to pick the Bible reading for the worship service. Yes, preacher, hey, come on up. So he came up. He unrolls the scroll. He reads from Isaiah 61 that we just read. Verse 18, quoting Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. To proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes in the synagogue were fastened on, he, and fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. Jesus said, this is it. You know that that Isaiah said about it's today. I'm the Messiah. I've come to give you freedom. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Folks, we live in the year of the Lord's favor. I don't know how long it'll last, but I want you to notice something. You can go back in your Bible and look. Isaiah 61, verse 2, the full verse says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the Lord's vengeance. Jesus stopped the quotation halfway through verse 2. Because this is the year of the Lord's favor, this is not yet the day of the Lord's vengeance. The year of the Lord's favor will be followed by the day of the Lord's vengeance. Jesus stopped halfway through the verse because only the first verse, first half was fulfilled in his first coming. The second half of the verse will be fulfilled in his second coming. But this is the year of the Lord's favor, not yet the day of the Lord's vengeance. It's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to come to Jesus. Because this is that amnesty day that he's given that whatever you have done can be forgiven. Whoever you are and wherever you've been, you can have freedom and be set free. It's the year of the Lord's favor. That's good, isn't it? That's good news. All right, number five. The Messiah will enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Zechariah 9.9, another direct prophecy of the Messiah. Zechariah 9.9, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king is coming to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Direct prediction that when the Messiah comes, he will ride a donkey into Jerusalem and come to you gentle and lowly. In John chapter 14, or John chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. So he quotes, Matthew, or John then quotes the verse we just read from Zechariah 9, 9. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. They only saw all the clues and put it all together after Jesus on Easter Sunday interpreted this to them and then looking back they could see it clearly. Jesus was saying he's the Messiah. He was deliberately fulfilling Zechariah 9.9. He came riding into Jerusalem on the donkey just as it had said hundreds of years ago that the Messiah would come. Listen, 
Are you looking for hope and for help and for direction and meaning? And is there any plan and is there any purpose to life? Do you not see God's intricate plan has been laid out hundreds of years in advance to help you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah? What other candidate is there? Do you have any other candidates born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, came out of Egypt, light shine from Galilee, who preached good news preceded by a forerunner, who rode a donkey into Jerusalem? There aren't a lot of other good candidates. It's Jesus. It's Jesus who is the hope and is the Messiah. Would you put your faith in him? Yes, you will have questions. Yes, people will tell you things and contradictions in the Bible. And yes, life will happen. And you'll be like Joshua Harris and you think you got dating all figured out. And then your wife separates and your world crumbles. And you're going to think, it, then it can't be true. I, life's going to happen. Hard things are going to come. Questions are going to be brought to you. But one of the things you can go back to is you can see the intricate plan of God throughout the ages that he has given you clues even when you have questions that you might believe. Today, would you say, I don't understand everything, but I'm convinced Jesus is the Messiah. I'll be a Christian. Christ and Messiah mean the same thing. One Hebrew word, one Greek. Christian means I believe Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah and I'm living with him as my king, my priest, my Lord, my God. Would you today put your faith in Jesus? I'll tell you one more story. Edgar Allan Poe wrote a short story entitled The Purloined Letter. Purloined means stolen. It's about a stolen letter. It's set in France. And the Queen of France had this letter that had incriminating things in it. And one of the government officials in her cabinet had stolen the letter from her and was blackmailing her. And so the Paris police secretly went into the apartment of this government official to try to find this letter that was being used to blackmail the Queen. This letter on her parchment sealed with her seal. And they looked everywhere. While the minister was away from his apartment, they peeled up the carpet. They looked behind the wallpaper. They prodded every cushion with needles. They used magnifying glasses in every joint of every dresser. They looked everywhere for this letter, and they couldn't find it. And they were at a loss. They called in this amateur detective, sort of like Sherlock Holmes in an English short story, Auguste Dupin. And Auguste Dupin says, if you give me the reward, I'll find the letter. And sure enough, he comes back with the letter and presents it to them and claims the reward, and they are astonished. And they say, how did you find this in his apartment? We looked everywhere. We, 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 we had the, the best experts taking everything apart. He said, I, I went to visit the minister in his apartment, wore dark glasses so I could look around. And while we sat there chatting, I was looking around at the surroundings. And I noticed above his desk was a, a piece of paper hanging from a clip. It was greasy, and it was oily, and it was torn almost half in two, just dangling there. 
And that was the letter that you were looking for. He had disguised. I came back the next day, left an object there so I could come back the next day and say, oh, I forgot something and secretly replaced with a, an identical copy and brought it to you. The experts had missed it right in front of them. What they were looking for was there all along, but it did not look like they expected it to look. The field of their search was too narrow, and they missed what they were earnestly seeking for because they were looking for the wrong appearance. And there are a lot of people today, maybe you, looking for something in your life and it's right before you. It's Jesus, but it's not how you expect it to look. You think what you're looking for is monetary. Or you think it's a person of the opposite sex. Or you, you think it's a relationship or an experience. And you are looking hard for that which will fulfill you. You're looking in every corner of the world. And you're chasing every hot trend that comes along. When that for which you look is right before you. It'll be on every billboard this season it'll be nativity scenes everywhere and you're driving around oh i wish there was something fulfilling and it's right there before you but your field of search is too narrow would you look to the clues that god has given you for hope and meaning and purpose in life and you'll find them right before you in this season in the coming of jesus to our world is one who comes to bring you good news who comes to you gentle and lowly and offers you salvation from your sins and freedom from your bondage, would you look and see what God has placed before you? Let's pray together. Oh God, may there be some right now who would say, the clues make sense, they add up. It is Jesus. I, Jesus, I'm not sure, but I, I want to turn to you. I open my life to you. Jesus, if you're the Son of God, I invite you in. Show me that you're real. I'll follow you. I'll be baptized in your name. If there's a person whose faith has been wavering, I pray, Lord, that these amazing prophecies would strengthen and bolster our faith that we might live with confidence in an uncertain world. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me in a song? We're going to sing a song of invitation. And right now, if you want to declare your faith in Jesus, you can walk forward while we're singing and meet me here. We're having baptism in December. You can be baptized then. You can join our church today if you've already been baptized. But you want to come and be a part of this fellowship. And we'll welcome you and receive you. you want to pray, somebody would be glad to pray with you. Let's sing together. Riches of this world will fade, the treasures of our God remain. Here I empty myself, and oh, this world nothing, and find everything in you. The riches of this world will fade. Oh, this world. 
not my strength, but yours alone, nothing else but you. great to just to to take in all that God has done for us and, and the way he's orchestrated his plan uh, for us to express his love uh, to his creation and, and we're grateful for that so hopefully you've had a good uh, experience in worship this morning I want to remind you a couple things uh, next weekend on a Saturday and Sunday at six o'clock we're gonna be having a, a, a worship choir concert yes. Todd yes. got any comments about this Oh, you I'll gotta be surprised be here. if you don't. Got, yeah, yeah, gotta 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 be here. We got. I, I think we still have some invitations. They're little bookmark yes. type things. Invitations. Take a, take those and hand them out. Let's get crowds here. We got Saturday night and Sunday night are all available. Sunday night we'll have child care only. Not on Saturday night, but Sunday night. There it is. You can see it. And so we'd love to have you come out. And it's gonna be good. We hadn't yes. had one in two years, so. Yes. You ought to be ready for this. Excited to be doing that. And then uh, also some good news. If you saw the Christmas angel tree uh, note here where it said they were due today, you got another week. They're due next week. So if you don't mind getting those in to us uh, by next Sunday, and we'll get those uh, to where they need to be and appreciate all those who have helped uh, with the angel tree. Other things going on there, lots of uh, Christmas events uh, as we uh, uh, celebrate the season. Uh, lots of opportunities to, to give and serve, so uh, look over these things and, and be on the lookout for newsletters and announcements and things along the way. So uh, let's, yes. And before you pray, let me introduce a new member. This is Tara Goins. Would you come stand by me for a moment, Tara? We welcome Tara into our church today. She comes by a statement of her faith and baptism. She's a member at uh, Bell Springs Methodist Church and uh, been coming to our church, and we're so glad she's here. Just to give you a connection, she's Nolan Kendrick's sister. Some of you know Nolan, who's a member of our church. That'll give some of you a, a connection. She's not yet in a connection group. I'm going to ask um, Rick or Jeff, one of you guys, would you come and uh, serve as a deacon uh, and just help her to introduce to folks and uh, to get connected to a connection group. Thank you, Rick Mullins, for doing that. So if you'll welcome um, uh, uh, Terry into our church family, would you lift your hand and say amen? amen? Amen. We're so glad you're here. Hope this will be home to you where you grow and flourish and connect with people. Thank you. You can have a seat while they're praying. Daniel, thank you. Yes, and hopefully everybody will uh, head to a connection group after this and have that, that time in the Word. Let's pray and be dismissed.
God, we thank you again for who you are. We thank you for your word and, and you being the word that came to us. The truth uh, expressed in these many uh, multifaceted ways is your, your coming was pronounced in, in the, the, the prophecies and, and the, the, the law and um, just seeing how that un unfolds. And God, we thank you that we are the recipients of that grace and mercy and love that you extend to us, God. Uh, we are unworthy but are so grateful for, for who you are and how much you love us. Help us to love others because you love us. Help us to shine a light on who you are, especially in this time of, uh, of Advent and, and preparing for uh, the celebration of your, your birth. So, God, um, just continue to work in us. Continue for your presence to go with us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.